This is your coffee break. Hi friends, I am back with you this week and I have a really cool guest for you. I have a really cool guest for you every week, but this week is a longtime Right Now podcast listener. I think maybe even one of my first listeners. His name is Andrew Coons. He is a screenwriter living in, I believe, Minneapolis. And you know what? I I don't want to like have any spoilers here. So Andrew, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself or a lot, whatever you prefer. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you so much for for having me on the podcast. I I have been listening for quite a while. Um, I think I jumped in somewhere before 10 episodes, but not like right at the beginning. So somewhere in the early days. So I, I liked it before it was cool. Oh, so hipster you're a right style. now hipster. I like exactly. it. Exactly. So I do live in Minneapolis. Uh, I moved up here in August 2014, lived in the Carolinas for a while, some other places before that. Um, I went to film school in the Carolinas and uh, went to film school uh, because I always wanted to be a writer. That was always my thing as I was growing up, like, I'm going to write. And then as you start to look at career path options, you start to realize that, you know, I don't want to be a journalist and poetry doesn't pay and <laughs> novels take a long time. So, you know, what else can I do? And, and I just kind of got into filmmaking because there was this opportunity to um, take my, what I was writing and then bring it to, to life on the screen. And there's also a lot of different job opportunities in filmmaking. You can go into directing and camera work and all this stuff. So uh, when I moved up to Minneapolis, I actually moved up to take the position um, with a film production company here. And right now my current job is creative director. So I'm handling a lot of the client relations. I'm managing the edits, doing some of the shoots. But the great part about it is that it also includes writing a lot of the scripts for our clients. Um, so a lot of my work day to day that involves writing is probably more on the technical side. It's, you know, hey, we've got a 90 second script, which is going to be roughly one page and it has to fit you know, these bullet points and, you know, all these buzzwords and stuff like I'm sure you're very, uh, very attuned to with, with your job. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Right. So, but the, but the cool thing about it is that it does give me the opportunity because a lot of times clients will come and just say, here's what we want to say. Here's our website. Here's kind of what we want the video to do. We don't know how to write a script, go to it. And so then I get to fill in the visuals and kind of walk them through the process and, and write these things on the side. I have written in the past more in the creative field with screenwriting. Um, I've done a couple different short films that have you know, premiered at different film festivals and whatnot. I did some psychological horror type stuff and some other drama type things. And uh, we actually are, are in currently in the film uh, festival circuit for one that my company did, but it was a film about the tragic epidemic of child sex trafficking in the U.S. And so that was cool because it's part documentary, part narrative. And so I got to write the narrative portion and then direct the documentary portion and kind of try to make those merge. Um, the cool thing about screenwriting and why I, I do feel like it's a, a legitimate form of writing is that even though you're writing kind of the bullet points a lot of times, in exception to the dialogue, which is usually word for word, but you're just writing the bullet points, you have to write in such a way that it's a, easily looked at and easily imagined just from writing the script or reading the script. But then that it's also, it's also succinct enough that if I were to hand that to someone else, they can, they can take it and run with it. So it's kind of like writing a novel and a how-to manual at the same time, uh, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of challenging in its own way, but lots, lots and lots of fun. So you immediately raise something that I've never even thought of before, and that is the thought that screenwriting is not a legit form of writing. 
Where do, where does that come from? I've never heard that before. I don't know that I've necessarily even heard that anywhere because I think people would recognize screenwriters as writers. I think maybe more on the corporate side of things, it wouldn't be considered a legitimate form of writing. You know, oh, I'm a corporate screenwriter. Well, you know, might get lumped into the same thing as like, I write how-to guides or I write, you know, a manual for a chainsaw. You know, it's, it, it is still writing and it takes quite a level of proficiency, um, but people wouldn't necessarily look at it as creative, but I found it to be very different. I think a lot of us probably write for our, what we could, you know, our day jobs. And I'd like to hear a little bit about how you balance that tension between, you know, you, you go and you do all this creative work, you pour your heart and soul into work for corporate clients. How do you balance that? How do you balance your own need to create for yourself? Tell me a little bit more about that. I don't know that I always balance it fairly well. <laughs> well, who <he> does? <laughs> uh, and there are a lot of situations where, you know, a client will take on the script writing and then hand me something. And I love all our clients, but they'll hand me something that's, you know, not written the way it needs to be written. And so then there's a little bit of polishing that needs to be done. I think a lot of times for me, it's it's not trying to turn every single writing gig at my work into my creative outlet. There are certain jobs that come along that I'm like, this is a meaty one. This is good. There's a lot to this. There's opportunity for creative outlets. Let's really sink into that. And some days it's literally just, I have this many pages to write and I'm just going to get them done and I'm going to do the best I can, you know, obviously, but um, it's not going to be something that satisfies my creative urges, um, which is why I then go home and do other writing. So, <laughs> yeah. What keeps you focused during the day? And maybe this is a little bit of a selfish question because I ask my, my I ask myself this sometimes too. How do you keep going through the day knowing that you have like eight hours of writing to do and it's not writing that you want to do? What keeps you going? Well, I mean, first to clarify, I don't usually ever write for eight hours straight at work. It's it's not terribly because I'm I'm managing kind of a department. I'm doing a lot of different things. So I'm I'm going on film shoots. I'm managing edits. I'm doing graphics. And so the writing portion is a chunk of that, that because it's a chunk, I get to kind of schedule it in at my opportune times you know, when I have the most creativity, when, when I want to do it basically, and then get away, go to a coffee shop with my laptop or something and kind of focus on that. Not to say that deadlines don't come up and sometimes it's just, you know, putting your nose to the grindstone and trying to get it done. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not an eight hour drudgery of writing for me just because there's so many different things I'm managing. Tell me a little bit about the tenets of screenwriting. You know, one of the big things for screenwriting is that you're writing for a time. Um, you're writing to fit 90 seconds, three minutes, 30 seconds, something like that. And so as I'm writing, there are some tricks that you can do, like roughly a page or a page and a half of script is equal to X amount of time. But then there's a lot of sitting there and reading it out loud and then revising it and then reading it again and giving myself 10 second pauses for where I know graphics are going to go. And that's where you know, a little imagination goes a long way, but it also challenges me to put on paper something that when the client reads it or when another filmmaker reads it, it's going to read at the right pace and in the right way it should. Um, the other thing is like a lot of, so you would normally think of a script, like if you ever watched a movie and someone handed someone a script and it's this kind of column type thing where it's description and then dialogue, description, then dialogue. Um, that's how I write my narrative scripts, but corporate scripts are usually written in two columns. So it's video on one side, anything that's visual and audio on the other. Um, so it breaks everything apart. It makes it feel very artificial when you're first writing. But there's also kind of a clarity that comes with that because you can side by side 
put what a character is doing and saying. You don't have to waste time vertically on the page to get there, which is ex- exactly what video is. You're watching and listening to something at the same moment. I love that. And I love that there's like a spatial planning process for that too. That's, I had not known about that. That's awesome. Yeah. You could, you could almost write a script in an Excel sheet if you wanted to. Um, that's a little too clinical for me, but, uh, it, that's essentially how it works. It's, it's very, um, very mathematical, very linear. Um, and so then finding the ways to be creative within that becomes the, the fun part. So I'm I'm really curious about your career. And then after this, I'll stop talking about your career and we can talk more <laughs> about like, you know, the, the kind of writing that you like to do on the side. But I, I noticed something when you first introduced yourself and talked about how you got into screenwriting, it almost sound like, sounded like there was a, a process of elimination that you followed. It's like, okay, no, I don't want to be a journalist. No, I don't want to do this. I mean, do you think a lot of writers follow that process of elimination style? That's a great question. And I know that for myself, I followed that because I had a very pragmatic, practical view of what I wanted to do with my life. I'm very, uh, I'm the eldest born in my family, uh, conservative background. Things were pretty structured, knew where I was going to go to college for a long time, kind of had an idea of what I wanted my life to be like based on what other people I had seen. And so for me, it made a lot of sense to make a list and start checking and crossing things off. Um, I think maybe other writers, They might go through that, but I think that maybe a lot of writers do something that I haven't done till recently, and that's they they follow that calling to write through challenges. And not that I'm going to say I copped out, but there was a little bit of, okay, I don't know how hard it's going to be to make it as a novelist or a poet, but this filmmaking thing looks like it's got a lot of opportunities, and I can still write. And I love film. I, you know, I watched the Lord of the Rings behind the scenes features all whatever, 25 hours of them. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. Um, <laughs> so for me, it, it's almost like lately I've come back to taking some more of those chances, um, exploring different forms of writing, not thinking so much about, ooh, where can I get the most steady paying job or where can I you know, get my degree in? Because now I have my degree. I have a, a job that I really love. And so I can kind of open myself up towards pursuing things that I kind of left on on the wayside when I when I left high school. Tell me about some of those things. I know that you've been blogging, you've been writing poetry, short fiction. Tell me about first of all what sparked you to re-explore those mediums and then sort of how that process has been going for you. Well, this is going to sound uh like a paid advertisement, but you sparked uh that's desire to bring back uh, a lot of this into my life. And you know, there was there was something in me that said, I, I really want to start writing again, but I don't know where to start. And I started Googling podcasts, all sorts of stuff, found yours, um, found a couple others, you know, started reading some different websites and, you know, your whole thing of you are a writer. That was that was big for me. And that helped me actually understand a little bit that, hey, even though I'm doing corporate screenwriting, I am a writer and that I can take that badge and apply it to the creative outlets. You know, when I was young, the, the desire to write came from where it usually comes from, which is the, the love of reading. Mm-hmm. And I, we had a library literally 200 feet from our house. And so every day we'd walk over, get new books, bring them back. I burned through the Hardy Boys series and, you know, all the, the, the mysteries and the, the J.R.R. Tolkien stuff, C.S. Lewis, everything. And that's kind of what sparked this, this love of, of literature and of storytelling, um, Got into my teenage years, got a little angsty, wrote a lot of really bad songs, um, was in a really horrible band for a very short amount of time. <laughs> um, and, you know, the cool thing about songwriting is that it is a form of poetry. And so 
you know, when I picked writing back up here in the last year or so, creative writing, you know, I, I thought at first, well, my experience is kind of writing songs, you know, even though they weren't that great. But then I kind of segued that into uh, kind of delving a little bit more into poetry and just a real love for that. That's awesome. And thank you. My gosh, I, I promise I am not paying uh, <laughs> Andrew to say these lovely things about my show. But boy, that just that hits me that wow, okay, you know, sometimes it's so nice to like see the reason that you're doing this fulfilled. So my gosh, thank you for saying that. Well, thank you for for doing the podcast. (laughs) So talking about, you know, being that creative introvert, you do blogging, you do short stories, you do poetry, the poetry came from the songwriting, but but where did the, the blogging and the short stories were those just sort of continued experimentations? Or I think they are still continued experimentation. I'm not nearly as regular with them as I am with other stuff. I think in the last eight months, I've written one short story, five blog posts, um, lots of poetry, though, lots of stuff on my Instagram and then my website and then a lot of stuff that hasn't seen the light of day yet. So I think it's more just like I don't want to limit myself to one thing. And I think that's, again, not the mistake I made, but the cho- the, the path I chose when I decided to be a screenwriter mm-hmm. and said, okay, all my writing is going to be screenwriting. And now I'm at a point where that's awesome and I love screenwriting and I you know have learned a lot about it, but I have the desire to, to try more things. And so when I decided to start writing poetry again, I was like, okay, but don't limit yourself to just being a poet. You know, if I have the idea for a short story, go for it. I'm actually, oh, I hesitate to say this, but I actually am working on a novel. Um, I'm through the prologue in the first chapter right now, and I've had to take a break because that's the longest I've ever written into one novel idea. Um, so, you know, that's something I'm just going to pick at. You know, I'm not, I'm not putting any restrictions or, or expectations on myself to say I have to write this novel in, you know, the month of November or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, just going to pick at it. And in the meantime, what comes out of me the most is is the poetry. Tell me more about that. So you're you're more drawn to the poetry because it's more emotional. I don't want to like lead you with an answer here, but no, tell me fine, more yeah. about that connection. Well, and I think there is a bit of a connection between poetry and screenwriting because with screenwriting, you're trying to maximize your time. You're trying to get things across in a very visual, visceral way. And I kind of view poetry the same way. It's you know usually it's shorter format page maybe and you're trying to say as much in that page as some people might say in a novel and so a script even if it's feature length might be 90 pages that's not a novel that's that's a short story um and so short story and poetry have kind of been what i've always gravitated to because i have a lot of different ideas they kind of come at me a mile a minute sometimes and it's easier to just knock one out knock a couple stanzas out move on to the next idea that's why writing a novel has always been intimidating and is a tough challenge for me right now because it's it's the continuation of one idea for you know 50,000 words or so. And so that's that's a tough thing for me because I tend to be all over the board. My next question was going to be what's the most difficult of these for you and it sounds like your novel. Tell me more about your novel like what made you decide to start that? And are you are you planning it? Are you pantsing it? It, it sounds like you're going to just tackle a little bit at a time. But yeah, tell me, tell me about your novel. And very I know excited. the term pantsing from your podcast a few weeks ago, where you talked about being a pantser. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit of both. I don't know how to write a novel. So I'm kind of making it up as I go. Um, I have a rough outline. I have a very clear the- idea of the themes of what the climax might be. Um, and of the general idea. 
I'm kind of trying to approach it the way I would approach a script. So, you know, a three act type thing with, you know, getting off the bat quickly and, you know, interesting characters and stuff, but then just kind of pausing in moments and filling the page with some good description or something, the type of reading I like to do, you know, I, not going for anything as thick as a J.R.R. Tolkien book, but one of the beauties of that style of writing is that we can sit and talk about the way the sunlight came through a tree for two pages. And if you do it right, it's beautiful and it's worth your time. And so, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Tolkien or anything, but it's, it's nice to be able to, in the midst of the story, when there's a detail I want to talk about, just kind of pause and, and spend some time with it. And so that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Just kind of like a script with, with more fleshed out descriptions. I like that. I'm always a fan of genre mashups maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of like that idea of using what works and what doesn't work in different genres to inspire what you're working on. Is it a fantasy novel since you keep talking about Tolkien? It is kind of a modern day fantasy, but it's, it's not centered around teenagers or love stories. Um, it's <laughs> thumbs up from Sarah on the screen. Um, it's actually incredibly personal. It deals with some stuff from my past and kind of puts it in a fictionalized aspect because you write what you know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'd write a very good 13-year-old girl romance love triangle type thing. So um, I write what I know. And uh, that's kind of, it's kind of what I'm going after. So it's going to be fantasy, but it's going to be grounded. Are you are you an urban fantasy fan at all? So many of those books are so bad. It's so hard. I love the genre, and it's so hard to get through some of the books sometimes. But you know, I find the bad novels as I find them as inspiring, if not more so than the good ones sometimes, mm-hmm. because there's that sense of, okay, I think I could write better, and so then why don't I? It's kind of that thing of I have this theory that. The only thing that's stopping me from have written, having written a novel at this point is the fact that I have not written a novel. It's, it's, it's not that it has to be good. It's not that it even has to be published. It's not that it has to win a prize. It has to be done. And that's my goal is to finish one and then see where it takes me. And it may never see the light of day, but at least then I can say, yep, wrote a novel, can do it. Okay, so I have a theory. And my theory is that we're the same person. Okay, so stick with me on this. I don't know. I've just related with so much of what you've talked about. I didn't do the screenwriting per se, but everything that you said, and this might sound weird. I've just felt this like kinship with with everything you said, the love of reading the just I'm the, glad yeah. you said it first okay. because it sounds super creepy if I were to come on and be like, I've been listening to your podcast every you know every week, and I think we're the same person. <laughs> Okay, good, good, good. And I'm glad that it's not just me. But so, okay, this is even creepier. So like, while I talk to people, I'm going to show you. I keep this little list of notes. And Hmm. it helps me um, to just remember things I want to go back to and talk about. And there's this one creepy one at the top that just says same person. (laughs) So I'm just gonna check that off because that's all right. All right, creepiness accomplished. So you talked about not wanting to limit yourself to just one type of writing. And I I think that a lot of writers are afraid to write outside of what they know or what they're comfortable writing. Can we talk a little bit about here? Okay, this is going to sound even creepier. Can we talk a little about your fears? Like what holds you back sometimes when you sit down to write? I think the fear of sucking is a big one. And that's something I've 
gotten a lot better at lately because I've started to embrace more this idea that that done is the goal for me right now. So I'm 27. I've got a wife and a child. I have another baby on the way, which I can't say what it was, but we just found out the gender today. So it's been a really good day. Yay, um, congrats. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody take a second. We're going to, we're going to, yay. That was me <laughs> clapping. Okay, yeah. go on. I've, I've graduated and I'm not, I'm saying all this to get to a point, not to build myself up. I've, I've got a four year degree. I've owned my own business. I now work as the head of a department for a, a small production company. I have been published even though a long, long time ago, I'm the type of person that when I set my mind to a goal, I get really obsessed about it until I accomplish it. And that does leave you with a little bit of this kind of void because as soon as you accomplish one goal, there, there's 50 more to, to stare you in the face. But there's this idea that if I'm going to write, it has to be goal oriented. It has to be for the purpose of being good, getting published, winning an award, all these things. And that has been my mindset for a very long time. It was very important for me, to me for a while that my films make it into film festivals, that they win awards at film festivals, that I get the raise, that I get the recognition, all these things. And and what I've come to realize recently, maybe in the last few weeks even, is that there will never be an end to lofty goals. And that's okay. It's good to have them. It's good to chase them. But what I'm trying to do more lately is embrace the process, embrace the love of the doing of it. And and this is where like actually taking an hour or two every week and going to, you know, the Starbucks and a Barnes and Noble and sitting by myself with some headphones and writing. I, I don't know. It's given me a sense of centeredness and a sense of like, it's kind of like putting yourself in the environment you want to be in. Like we all see the cliche shot of the writer furiously scribbling away with his coffee and everything. And it's a little cliche and it's a little hipster and everything. But by putting myself in that situation, I've started to embrace like that's a lot of fun and it feels really good. And sometimes what I write is absolute crap. And sometimes there are nuggets of it that I like, but I always walk away having really kind of refreshed myself by that experience. And so kind of to to try to put a bow on that whole thing for, for your question, it's, you know, the fear in the past has always been, what am I writing for? What is the goal? And can I be good enough? And by kind of letting that go and writing for the sake of writing, then I find that, you know, whatever pops in my head, I'll, I'll run with it, whether it's a novel idea, a poem, I, I still write scripts for fun, you know, short stories, haiku, whatever it is. Sometimes it's just journaling. You know, that just becomes a lot more rewarding. Man, I just identified so much with everything you just said. And, and it's so easy to cheat ourselves out of that rich experience. And I, mm. I identify especially with what you said about setting goals. And I tend to be, I don't know if this is one of my negative personality traits. I'm very ambitious. And I mm-hmm. like to know that I'm doing things well. And what validates me is, like you said, winning awards and getting praise and all this stuff. But it's never enough. Mm-hmm. It's never enough. And and you say, okay, I've surpassed the goal of getting X number of followers on Twitter, for example. Now let's shoot for X squared or... Mm-hmm. The, the Instagram thing has been incredibly mm-hmm. rebuking for me because I got onto Instagram and I kind of assumed I'll start posting my writing to Instagram. I'll hashtag all the right things. And before you know it, I'll have hundreds of readers. I have like 30 followers on Instagram and I still keep posting because I enjoy it. And it's gotten me back to that thing of like, you know, I can't tell how many people have actually read the poem, but if I get five likes, 
you know what? That's five people that have read my work who never would have read my work before. And if they liked it, it means they liked it. It touched them in some way, unless they're spamming. But, you know, you can usually tell the difference. <laughs> and so it's kind of gotten me back to that, that purity of, because I think we all sit and we all say, my gosh, if I could just touch one person with my writing, if I could just change one person's life or influence one person, then that would be enough for me. That would give me purpose. And we say that as a lofty goal, but then we're not happy when, when that happens. And so it's kind of gotten me back to that mentality and appreciating the fact that, you know what? No, I'm not getting thousands of hits on my website or whatnot. But in the same way that as I scroll Instagram and I find one thing that, you know, kind of touches me and makes me think, it's a cool feeling to know that I did that for someone else, even if it was just that that one person. What helped you make that transition? Was it just sort of a mental throwing your hands up in the air and saying, like, I literally cannot meet these ever-growing goals? Like, what brought you to that point? Because I want to get to that point. Too. Sure, sure. <laughs> Well, to be very candid here, um, and I, I've mentioned this to you before in emails, um, I, I deal with uh, depression and with anxiety. And about eight to 12 months ago, I kind of hit a low point and decided to check myself into to counseling. Um, and it's taken a very long time for me to kind of wrestle with some things. But it's even just been in the last couple of months that I feel like a lot of that counseling therapy has really paid off. And I've started to embody some of the things that I've been taught there and and kind of work through. And so I think part of that is just what do you put your self-worth in? I think that self-worth is a really tough topic for me because for so long I either looked at it and said, well, self-worth is is crap, you know, just, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of in my background and this is not a bash against my background, people who taught me, but it's kind of in my background to just say, you know, others first, you know, what you do doesn't you know matter so much as long as you do a good job or you do the right thing or whatnot. Um, sacrifice yourself for the good of of others. There's a lot of nobility to that. There's a lot of truth to that. But in doing that, you end up putting your self worth in how much you self sacrifice. <laughs> oh my gosh! And yeah. so and so then you just become this really depressed person because you're constantly cutting yourself down at the knees, not cutting yourself enough slack. And putting your self-worth in those achievements and in the big landmarks. And, you know, life has has a few big landmarks. You And it's different for everybody, but you get married, you have a kid, you graduate from college, you get that big job, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You retire, you, you know, maybe you get published or something. But those things, there might be a dozen of those in your life. Your life's a lot bigger than a dozen moments. And so putting your self-worth in the everyday moments, in the process, in the enjoying sitting there in a coffee shop writing for the sake of it, in the enjoyment of wrestling with my son in the living room. I think there's a lot more potency in putting your self-worth there than it is in putting your self-worth in you know, all these big accomplishments. And those things are great. Those are icing on the cake. This film I was talking about before, the, the sex trafficking film, it just won some awards. We didn't expect it to. It was you know, a phenomenal you know, feeling. But now it's over. You know, those film festivals are done. The trophies are in the mail, but they're not going to do anything for me in the future. They're just, they're just hunks of metal and plastic. But the thought that we actually reached some people with that film about a very, very hard subject that maybe one child might be saved out of that life because someone saw it and did something about it, that's an ongoing thing that gives me a lot more gratification than, than any festival award could. 
Boy, thank you. Andrew, thank you so much for your willingness to to be candid about a really difficult subject. And I want to thank you especially because that's something I think that I needed to hear today about self-worth. So thank you for, for being willing to open up and talk about that. Sometimes you say the things that you need to hear yourself as well. I, I think that this is all stuff that if you had talked to me a month ago, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it like that. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. You know, we don't we don't ever become perfect, but we, we try to become better. And that's another thing I've kind of realized recently is that because there's perfectionism wrapped up in there as well. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm just trying to be better than I was yesterday, if I'm just trying to be a better father, husband, writer, um, creative director at my job than I was yesterday, even if it's a very small step, you made progress. You didn't take a step backwards. And that's, that's, that's a good feeling too. I love what you say when you talk about self-sacrifice and I, and I love not tying your self-worth up in that. Like, that's just, thank you again for saying that. I'm still kind of mulling this over. I'll probably cut this part out, but it's okay. seriously, thank there, you. And there's a lot of value in self-sacrifice. I mean, as you know, a husband or a wife, you sacrifice for your spouse. As a friend, you sacrifice for your, for your friends. You, you sacrifice for your children. Um, you know, this isn't anything against self-sacrifice, but there's a difference between that and then martyrdom <laughs> and just, you know, beating yourself into the ground and never giving yourself the self-care and the and the things that you need in order to to go on and to to be fulfilled. And I think that it's super important to remember that before your friends, before your family, before your career, you were still you and that you will be you after all of those things. And that it's in, in the same way that they talk about, you know, once you have kids, you need to work hard on your marriage because the kids will be out of the house eventually. And you don't want to like be stuck, be living with someone who you've grown apart from. Well, to a degree, you have to keep working on yourself because there might come the day that you are alone and there, not to get too morbid here, but there will come the day that you die and we all die alone. And so you need to be able to, look at yourself in the mirror and be okay with who you are separate from all the other people that come in and out of your life, even, even your most close, closely loved ones. Um, and that's something that's really hard to do because we're brought up to think that that's a selfish thing. It can get there. It can easily be selfish if you're not careful with it, but you can go too far to the other extreme of the pendulum and that can be just as dangerous. Yeah. Do you have, um, so for any listeners who might really also be identifying with that, do you have any suggestions or advice for where they can start placing themselves in a good, healthy spot on that spectrum? Well, as it relates to writing and to all things writing, my advice would be to write about everything, to not think that you can only write about good times when you're having them or that, as I did for a long time, you can only write about the bad times write about, write about all of it, write about every little thing. And yeah, I mean, some of it's going to be junk. Some of it's going to be garbage. Some of it's going to come out very, very awkwardly. Um, but you might be surprised what some of the good stuff is and what some of the stuff is that when you read it back to yourself, it starts to speak to you. You know, writing can be therapy. And I, there are times, and I don't know if anybody else would enjoy these writings, but there are times when I read things and I go, man, that, that feels like exactly what I needed to hear. I think when you start writing about everything, you stop writing with an end goal in mind and you write more about your experience and, and, and your thoughts and your passions. And so if you're a novelist, you know, try writing a little poetry. If you're a poet, 
try working on a short story. If you're a corporate writer, you know, try something creative. If you're creative, maybe try something that's a little more corporate. Maybe take a gig or something. I don't know. I just I feel like it's really good to switch it up. You're making me want to drive to a Barnes and Noble and sit down <laughs> and surround myself with books and take some time for myself. Yeah. I love that you're you're treating writing as more of an exploration than something that you need to accomplish or something you need to use to validate yourself. With that in mind, are you going to do anything with your novel when you finish it? Are you going to are you going to try to publish it, self-publish? I think it would be impossible not to. You know, I'm actually also simultaneously getting close to to self-publishing a, a collection of poetry. So, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have those goals. And I don't think that that's something that I'll, I'll ever get away from. But it's what's going on in the meantime, you know, that that's important to, to have perspective on. Because it can be a long time in between, you know, goal number one and goal number two if they're the big lofty goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to en- enjoy the process as well. Otherwise, you're going to get burnt out, I think. I think you're 100% right. You've just given me so much wonderful, fresh perspective today. (laughs) And so if people are interested in maybe reading some of your poetry on that Instagram account that we talked about, do you have a website that can direct people to all of your different social media outlets? Yeah, it's just andrewcoons.com. There's not a ton on there, um, but then that can take you to at Andrew Coons writing, which is my Instagram handle. You know, a lot of things that I put on my Instagram are two minutes away from being written. I don't do revisions or anything. I just throw stuff up. Um, there's spelling errors sometimes and all sorts of things, but it's nice to, to have a place to throw things up and feel like they're, they're permanent and they're out there and then you can revise them later. Um, there is a little instant gratification involved in that and maybe that's something I need to get away from, but, but it's also, I don't know, it's, it's fun to, to connect with other writers on Instagram and stuff and not just, you know, be in my own little coffee shop, never sharing anything with anyone. So yeah, I mean, and it's almost like publishing it a little bit, you know, it is. And it's actually tricky, because as I've looked into getting published in other magazines and stuff, like, they'll consider that having already been published. Mm -hmm. And so and then there's also the thing of like, okay, if I'm going to release a book, how much do I want to have already put on my Instagram. So that's the thing where like you'll you'll maybe put a stanza or a line on Instagram, which they tend to get the most likes anyway, a quippy little line yeah. of something that's romantic or you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, people love sound bites. They love sound bites. They love sound bites. And it's it's frustrating sometimes because you'll put a sound bite up, get tons of likes, and you'll put like something meaty and like a full poem. You're like, I really worked on this and no traffic. And that's been another great lesson for me is just to go, you know what, stop putting your worth into how many likes you got because you know that this is better than the sound bite and people are just they're they're just skimming by because it's too long you got if you understand the system then you understand that you know it's it's not a judgment on you it's just that it's not what instagram is it's 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 the twitter of poetry Mm -hmm. so it's the medium and the message, right? It's, it it's maybe it not the right forum for, for long-form poetry, but those sound bites, mm-hmm. those will get good engagement. Mm-hmm. So, Andrew, thank you so much for reaching out to me, for kind of putting yourself out there. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I'll make sure that we have links to andrewcoons.com in the show notes for today's episode. I'll also link to his Instagram so you can follow him there and maybe Twitter and maybe some other things. It depends what you're comfortable with. Thank you very much. This has been wonderful. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Andrew. 